Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. We can focus on our end users, our patients, our clients, whatever industry you're in but we also have to take care of our employees, right? We need to give them a great experience because if they have a good experience, we know that they're gonna do a, a better job serving our patients. Thanks for joining us on this keynote episode, a This Week Health conference show. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Special thanks to our keynote show partners, CDW, Rubrik, Sectra, and Trellix for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. Here we are for another conference episode, and today we're joined by guest Luke Olanowski, CIO for Mainline Health. Luke, welcome to the show. Bill, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation and you and I got to meet at one of the 229 events. I learned a bunch about Mainline Health, but for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about Mainline Health. Sure. So Mainline Health is a not-for-profit system in the Western suburbs of Philadelphia. So for me, it's the community where I live. Mainline's been serving the greater Philadelphia community for probably about 40 years or so, Bill. Two and a half billion dollar system. A lot of organizations, we have a you know, kind of pretty substantial inpatient footprint, but then a lot of ambulatory practices as well and in the greater Philadelphia community. Yeah. And anyone who's familiar with Philly knows what the main line is. It's where the train used to go out. The main line train used to go out uh, yes. into the suburbs. So, but some people aren't familiar with Philly. So there you go. Hey, tell us about your path to that role as, as CIO at Mainline. Yeah, sure, Bill. And it, it's actually a pretty interesting one. My first exposure to Mainline was not through work. It was actually my kids were born at uh, Mainline hospitals. I did my undergrad at uh, Villanova and actually started my career for the first 20 years in financial services. So you've had a little bit of a portfolio IT background, whether it, it was web delivery, cybersecurity, IT operations, and then actually joined Mainline in June of 2020. That's right. June of 2020, first <laughs> three months of the pandemic, we're still like sanitizing our groceries and what in the world is going on. And I actually finished the interview process over Zoom. And I wasn't looking at the time, but the opportunity, I think, to join a mission-driven organization in our community as the CIO it was just too good to pass up. So again, it was kind of looking back on it, Bill, it was a pretty wild time to kind of make that sort of move to jump into healthcare at the beginning, at the beginning of a global pandemic. But just what a fantastic experience. So those who are watching on video are going to notice the planned office. That is not your office. You guys are in the process of launching a new pavilion. What goes into opening a new care facility? Yeah, no, and it's interesting. So I am in the new pavilion for our Riddle Hospital. So that's in Delaware County. So think about that point where Pennsylvania almost meets Delaware, if you're familiar with that area. And what's really exciting, Bill, this was a hole in the ground when I joined in June of 2020. So they have built a new almost 200 bed facility here. 
And I think the, the biggest thing sitting in on the command center this week, all the teamwork, right? Whether it's the facilities team, the uh, clinical teams, the IT organizations, whether that's the field services, biomed side. So what's been really impressive to me is all the planning that went into it, but then all of those kind of last minute, really focusing in on the experience, doing all those technical dress rehearsals, doing all those kind of last minute adjustments. It reminds me of like wedding planning. I like the beginning, you have to pick your date, you got to pick the location, then you get a couple months off, but that like last two or three months is just, you're doing all those last minute details and it's been really impressive to watch. And I think for me, what's been really unique is there's a lot of talk about the kind of site of care shift. So I don't know how many big hospital openings I'll get to do in my career, um, but it's been really exciting to do this one three years in. Was there a lot of interaction between the architect, the builder, the designer, and IT throughout the process? And what was that like? I was talking to a CIO yesterday that they're getting ready yeah. to open their facility. And yeah. he was telling me how the architect and designer got way out in front of the IT stuff and they had to come back in and say, well, you realize that these these closets on these floors don't line up, which means we have to run the wire <laughs> here to here. Yep. They, they looked at yep. him like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> like, well, and, and like, especially if you're adding on to an existing facility and maybe like the height of the floors isn't the same and you need to have that slow gradient that actually connects the second floor of the old building to the second floor of the new building. But we are fortunate that in, in our project management office, we have a couple of resources that specialize in construction projects. You know, so whether it's inpatient, whether it's ambulatory. So they've built really good relationships with the architects. Now, that's not to say that there aren't a lot of moving pieces and you know everything from, from the network side to even just the positioning of all the equipment in the room. That's probably been one of the biggest things for me is Right. These are not just movable desks that you can just slide around and just grab your laptop. Right. There's these massive pieces of equipment. So there's been a lot of prep and I'd say having a strong relationship with the architects and having an IT team that's done it before has just been invaluable. What would you say is the most leading edge thing you're doing in this? Was, was there more of a, a drive towards standardization and keeping it simple or was there an eye towards, hey, how are we gonna be yeah. delivering care in the future? Yeah, a little bit of both, right? If you walk through this pavilion, it's gonna look a good amount like the one that we launched in 2019, but we also try to innovate as well, right? So one of the things that I'm particularly proud of is in the mother baby unit, right? Obviously a lot of emphasis on our security and on safety there. So we've actually got some real-time location services that we've deployed in those areas to really just make sure that we can provide a you know kind of safe, secure experience for the family. So that is one that I'm particularly proud of in terms of, hey, we definitely want to be consistent. We definitely want to have standards, but if there's an opportunity to innovate and if there's an opportunity to also push the experience, we'll look for that as well. Yeah. You came in from finance. I'm, I'm one of those CIOs that came in from outside the uh, industry. There's a couple of others interviewed uh, a gentleman in South Florida who came in from Disney, interviewed BJ Moore, uh, came in from Microsoft and whatnot. Talk, talk to me about the transition from finance to healthcare. What I mean, what do you find the biggest advantage of making that kind of move is and the biggest challenge of making that kind of move? The biggest challenge is probably figuring out the operating model and the people, right? I spent 20 years in an organization 
So now you're just about 20 years in an industry, 20 years with an organization. So understanding the people, that's just part of the job. But I think figuring out that operating model and how IT can best work with our business teams, that was probably the biggest challenge is understanding kind of what makes them tick, how they make decisions. I think one of the biggest benefits is people are eager for your ideas, right? And like you've seen how another in, in industry operates. So you can create those parallels. And Bill, I follow the standard 80-20 rule. I think 80% translates pretty well, especially on the infrastructure side. And then there's that 20% that I think is industry specific. And I think we also brought in a lot of people things and a lot of leadership culture things from the financial services model, whether it's getting out to campuses for recruiting, doing internship programs. So I think there's a lot that you can lean on if you're considering a jump across industries. In, in finance, the internet was disruptive. Mobile was very disruptive yeah. for uh, finance. I think people feel like we're almost on the precipice of this AI push and we're seeing ambient clinical listening, we're seeing computer vision, we're seeing some AI models start to emerge. Having gone through some disruption in the finance space yeah. with mobile and whatnot, how can we be thinking about the disruption? It will happen slower in yeah. healthcare. We generally adopt things yeah. slower than other industries, but I, I mean, how do you prepare for disruption and how do you ensure yeah. that you're ready? Yeah, no, Bill, it's actually something that I've been spending a, a, a lot of time thinking about because I forget exactly where I saw the study, but healthcare is one of the few organizations or industries that has added technology and maybe gotten less productive, right? So let's think about that. We've added technology, right. but people feel less productive. So when I think about disruption and I'm bullish on some of these things, um, the number one thing that jumps out to me is you've really got to be walking hand in hand with your clinical leadership to really make sure that they're just not a, you know, that they're kind of part of co-driving this process with you. If I think about the analogy, if you're in a car, right, I'm not sure who's got their hand on the wheel, but the other person's riding shotgun, right? They're not in the backseat. They're not in the trunk. Like they've got to be there with you or else I don't think that we'll get the outcomes that, that we're looking for. And we need those outcomes, right? Like when you think about what's happening in our industry, whether it's the you know, kind of pressures on labor, or the pressures on reimbursement, right? we have to leverage this to improve how we deliver care. So I think it's really critical that it's not being viewed as a technology thing, but really it's something that we're partnering on with our clinical stakeholders. And it, just like one example of that is who's scheduling the steering meeting you know, for this? Is it an, an, an IT PM doing all the talking or is it the business product owner doing setting up. I look for those things to say, are we thinking about this next wave of uh, disruption the right way? Yeah. I had a CIO this week tell me he went out into his organization and he was telling people, Hey, we're going to probably put a, a hold on access to chat GPT for a little while. And a bunch of the doctors like, were like, no, you cannot do it. And he's like, what? And they go, well, here's the use case. Here's the use case. Here's the use yeah. case. And they, they were already already using it. So when he formed, I, I thought it was just interesting. Yeah. You know, he formed a technology group to look at this and he put some of those doctors on that group, exploring generative AI and where it's going to go because they're already using it. They're already thinking through, Hey, this is how this can make my practice more effective. This is how this can make my staff more effective, which is it's, uh, we, we serve a very creative group of people yeah. if, if given the opportunity to innovate. Well, and Bill, 
you probably know this as well as anyone, right? There's what people think is happening on the front line and what's actually happening on the front line, right? So whether it's on the physician side, whether it's on the nursing side, financial analyst, call center, right? Even as leaders, a lot of times we don't have the best idea, right? So we might think that kind of people might be leveraging technology in a certain way, but you know, if you actually get out there to the front line, maybe they've made a workaround for a process that you've made too tough. I will never forget kind of one time I was shadowing the call center. I had spent three months building this beautiful button that would take them right to the next screen. And I sat there and I'm like, why aren't they clicking the button? They're like, oh, well, if I click that button, then I have to do these other two things. I just go this way. So I, I think it's just a good reminder that yes, you need to partner with your stakeholders, but make sure that you're actually getting to the front line. And that leads me to another thing. It's like, make sure you're actually getting to the data that is telling you how the process is working, right? I think that's one of the other things that we also need to explore is like, what are the outcomes that we can measure and actually make sure that we're hitting those as well? Because it, it can be easy to fall in love with technology, right? Or like with the shiny objects. So, yeah, it's, it, it is interesting. The measure is so important. A lot of, a couple of yeah. the interviews I've, I've been doing lately, the CIOs have been really stressing this idea of measuring. There's so many yeah. technology things going on, plus the added uh, financial pressure that's coming in. There's more scrutiny on, hey, that million dollars we spent over here, did it actually deliver on the things that we thought it was going to deliver? Along those lines, you know, I know you're opening a pavilion and there are, are, you know, people who are listening to this who aren't CIOs. There are seasons where, you know, the the air gets sucked out of the room, like you're focused on an EHR go live or an ERP go live or a new pavilion. But I'm sure as a CIO, you're juggling multiple balls. What are some of the priorities right now at Mainline Health? Sure. Yeah, it's probably going to sound pretty similar to other systems, whether it's reimagining that patient experience all the way from access to where we deliver care. Obviously, we're always looking at how we can be safer, better, faster, cheaper. But I think when I think of the key priorities for us, that site of care shift is big. How do we really grow our ambulatory presence, make sure that we're serving the uh, community in the manner in which they want to be served. So that's a big one for us. We're also looking at what's the care that happens outside of our walls. So whether it's kind of hospital to home, actually keeping people out of hospitals is a big area of focus for us as well. And then on on the non-clinical front, I think we're also going to be looking at our internal corporate systems and looking at some really exciting modernization opportunities there as well. And I'd say one last thing, a lot of emphasis on how do we deliver a great employee experience? And I think that sometimes I've definitely seen it as organizations, we can focus on our end users, our patients, our clients, whatever industry you're in, but we also have to take care of our employees, right? We need to give them a great experience because if they have a good experience, if they don't feel like they've got all this extra burden and if we can call bringing the uh, joy back to work, we know that they're gonna do a, a better job serving our patients, serving our our community. So employee experience is actually really bubbling up as a kind of key focus area for us as well. That's fantastic. We'll get back to our show in just a minute. Our rural healthcare systems face unique challenges in America. Join us for our upcoming free webinar, Rural Healthcare Challenges and Opportunities on August 3rd at one o'clock Eastern time. We'll unpack these challenges and look for opportunities for smaller health systems to take the lead in the delivery of care to this underserved population. 
Join us as we look to unlock the potential of technology to make a difference in the lives of thousands in rural communities. Remember, August 3rd, 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. You can register over on thisweekhealth.com. Now, back to our show. As you were talking, I was thinking there's this idea that there is no legacy equipment in finance because there's so much money there that there's no legacy. In healthcare, we deal with a lot of legacy. I'm, I'm curious if you could compare and contrast finance and healthcare with regard to legacy equipment and what were some of the approaches and strategies to deal with dealing with legacy to maybe not make it as front and center so people didn't know that they were hitting legacy equipment. How did they do it in finance and how are we looking at it in healthcare? Yeah, Bill, I mean, first of all, I can't lie. There was just a little bit more flexibility, I think, to stay current in the finance. And it, it wasn't just the money side, Bill, right? Like when you think about staying current on healthcare technology that's been FDA certified because it's impacting care, right? Like, you know, there's just more steps to go through to keep that modern. So yes, there was definitely a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more margin to work within financial services. But one of the things that we are working on here is trying to get across that it's easier to keep up than not catch up, right? And we're actually trying to take a, a risk-based approach to that maintenance. Whether it's on, like for me, having up-to-date infrastructure is absolutely critical, right? Because when I think about if you know, things go wrong, well, my biggest concern are those larger pieces of infrastructure as opposed to an individual endpoint. So really taking what's that risk-based approach or what's that revenue impacting approach, then I can sit down with our senior leadership and talk through, hey, if we can't do everything, this is at least how I would prioritize it in terms of patient safety, in, in terms of revenue opportunity, in, in terms of business impacts. I think you've got to turn it into that conversation than just a this is everything that I need. And I think yeah. one of those things is in like the cyberspace, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I love turning it into a risk conversation. Uh, I, so many times in those budget conversations, yeah. they, they look at you and go, can we get another year out of this? Can we get another yes, year? Yeah. And one year becomes two, two becomes four. And then all of a sudden it's end of life. And you're like, okay, all that money we didn't spend over the last three years or four years, we now have to spend it all at once. And that's a hard pill. I, I want to, we only have about 10 minutes because you have to get to the go live. I, I want to spend the last talking about the patient experience and the employee and clinician experience. So you, you talked a little bit about the priorities around the patient experience. Yeah. Talk about the process for determining what, what areas you're going to work on, what areas are important to the patient. Yeah. And, and how that translates into their interaction with your organization and with the clinicians. Sure thing. Yeah, Bill, and I'd say I am very fortunate. We have a dedicated team that has put a lot of thought into the end-to-end -end patient journey. This is our digital team, strategy team, patient access team, and they've actually mapped the, the entire journey, and they were really thoughtful. They did like an above the line, below the line in terms of, hey, there's digital experiences, but there's also a lot of those physical experiences, and, and that's okay. Like we understand that people might need to call in or that, but then they've actually gone through and said, where are we strong? Where are the opportunities? And they've actually mapped that out and put a roadmap there, which has been really helpful because then it's less whack-a-mole, right? We're actually going against the plan. And just like one tactical example, we have a lot of really strong adoption for our Epic MyChart experience. 
but an area that we wanted to expand was in SMS because we know that's where that's one area where people are going, right? We want to text message them that they have an appointment coming up or if they need to reschedule, they can do that through text, right? So that was an area we said, hey, we feel strong on the my chart side. Like we feel good there, right? Like, like once we get them there, but there's definitely an opportunity on that bi-directional SMS communication. So that's an area where we put a lot, lot of work over the last 12 months and a lot of really good results there, really improved our no-shows, our, our reschedule rates there. So that's an example, but that wouldn't have happened if we didn't take the time to say, well, what's that end-to-end journey? Where do we think we're strong? Where do we think that we have opportunities? And I think for us, our key strategy has been, let's leverage the main platforms that we have, but where can we innovate on the edges, right? We know that the EMR is a huge platform for us. It's a really key investment, great partnership, but where can we also innovate on the edges? It's fantastic to focus in on a handful of things and make improvements on those things. I think one of the things that happens in IT is we get spread so thin. Talk about the employee experience. You, you mentioned how important that is. What are some things that are important to improving areas of improvement within the employee experience? Yeah. Yeah. So Bill, for that one, and again, it's that similar theme, really strong relationship and a partnership with our heads of HR, with our CFO to, again, take a step back. And what I'll give the team a lot of credit for is instead of just saying, we need a new platform, whether that's Workday, whether that's ServiceNow, whether it's PeopleSoft, whether it's any of those things, they said, well, what's the end-to-end experience? What are we trying to solve for? All right, so we're trying to solve for, we don't want people emailing HR. We don't want people calling HR. We want people actually interacting with us digitally so that we can keep track of it, so that we can measure it. So that's in a key one for us of how do we engage with our people digitally? Because we know that they're on the go, right? They're not always tied in front of a desk, right? If you're a nurse manager, you're up and about. So your kind of key thing for us was how do we meet people where they're at? And then for our service providers like HR, like finance, how do we give them platforms? How do we give them access to data? How do we get the paper out of the process so that they can actually measure those, those improvements on, on their end? And again, it's not about the platform, but we've had a lot of success actually rolling out kind of service now for our HR offer. So if you are an employee at a mainline help, and if you need something from IT, and if you need something from HR, you go to one portal, one portal for both of those needs. So we, again, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for them to interact with us. We don't always get it right, but we're trying. <laughs> You, you don't always get it right. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, that's fantastic. Let me, let me give you a cl- closing question here. I know you're keeping an eye on uh, generative AI. I was going to ask you a question about futures, but let me ask you this one. This is an uh, interesting one. We have a lot of people who are listening to this who are like, how do the CIOs think about partners and vendor partners? And for a closing question, what have, what have you learned about dealing with vendor partners over the years? And what piece of advice would you give those trying to work with healthcare organizations? Bill, I think you mentioned the key word, which is partners, right? And I think that's definitely how you have to view it. My advice would be threefold, and it's going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Listen, have a little bit of patience, but be okay to tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. So I think on the listening, that's like, again, what's the real problem that we are trying to solve, right? Because sometimes I feel like, hey, they're talking to us. 
but they should be talking to us and our end users so that they can actually hear what's happening on the front line. Because sometimes we run into the, they work with IT, we implement something, but it's not actually going to meet the needs of the end users. So really try to listen. And I think on the patients, I think to your point earlier, there's a lot of priorities and we can't do it all every day. So trying to figure out, well, when's the right time? What's the right sequence? How do we build that spot on the wall and actually build towards it step-by-step? And then that last one of, it is okay to push us. Again, I think it's important to tell us if we don't have the right operational leadership lined up, or if we don't have the technical expertise, don't shy away from that conversation. So I'd say be bold, but be respectful, right? So that would be my advice. And and a lot of innovation happens in that spot, like where you're pushing us, but also listening at the same time. So Pavilion Go Live, is that, how many cups of coffee have you had so far? Because I see you keep the coffee right out of I I think this is number two. I think this is number two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, well, and Bill, it's interesting. The teams are here at 5 a.m., right? Surgery start early, right? I think surgery registrations at six o'clock in the morning. So a lot of the IT folks kind of 5, 5.30 is not a outlandish for one of these. So yeah, I love those go lives and we have very, we have EHR, we had a different go lives, but the camaraderie that's built up in addressing the challenge and being there and getting there at five o'clock or even before five o'clock, just to be ready for all that stuff is it's the kind of stuff we talk about later as we're hanging out, having drinks and that kind of stuff of how fun that was. Yeah, no, it, it definitely builds culture, definitely builds relationships. They're fantastic. So actually brings me back to like my you know, web development and like web deployment days back in the 90s and early 2000s when you'd be on there overnight. So it's been great. Luke, I want to thank you for your time. Thanks for uh, stopping in, sharing your experience. Awesome. Thanks, Bill. I love the chance to have these conversations. I think if I were a CIO today, I would have every team member listen to a show like this one. I believe it's conference level value every week. If you want to support This Week Health, tell someone about our channels. That would really benefit us. We have a mission of getting our content into as many hands as possible. And if you're listening to it, hopefully you find value. And if you could tell somebody else about it, it helps us to achieve our mission. We have two channels. We have the conference channel, which you're listening to, and This Week Health Newsroom. Check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our keynote partners, CDW, Rubrik, Sectra, and Trellix, who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. 